Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, uplifting support for your grief and healing journey. We're here to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence so that you can build a life of purpose and joy. I'm your host, Julie Clough, Certified Grief Coach. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 105, Life After Child Loss with Emily Graham. I am thrilled to introduce you to my friend, Emily. We actually met while we were doing our certification programs um, to become grief recovery specialists. And you'll hear more about that story as we, as we chat. And so I'm, I'm excited to introduce you to her, to introduce you to this, to this, um, episode. This is going to be airing just before Thanksgiving and actually the Tuesday night before Thanksgiving. So the night before this airs, I'm going to be doing a Facebook live at build a life after loss with Julie Clough. You can go to Facebook and just look up Build a Life After Loss with Julie Clough. And I'm going to be talking on there about navigating the holidays, like how we can, if we're grieving, how we can really just get present with our expectations and our desires for the holidays and what it's going to look like and how to reduce our anxiety around the expectations of it and so forth. So anyway, if you're listening to this, that's already aired, but you can go on Facebook and it it will live, it's living there. So you can just go on and watch that. So I'm hoping that will be super helpful to people to listen to. Okay. So let me introduce you to Emily. Emily Graham is a bereaved parent. She's a writer and a grief coach. When her seven-year-old son died unexpectedly on Christmas in 2015, she felt her life spiral out of control. She began sharing her grief story on her blog, Just Playing House, which became a cathartic outlet that created connection. From there, she launched After Child Loss. Now, Emily empowers child loss survivors with the tools and support they need to take the next step forward. Here's the interview. Hello, hello, my friends. I am so excited to introduce you to my friend, Emily Graham. We met at a class. I think she's got a story she wants to tell about meeting at, we met actually in a certification class for the grief recovery program. We became grief recovery specialists at the same time, a little over two years ago. So Emily, introduce yourself. Tell us, tell us all the things. Yeah. Thank you. So I I do, I want to share a story, um, which I will kind of tie into my introduction. I met Julie, as she said, we went through our training program together and um, I had a lot of ah ahas. I don't know about you. I had a lot of ah ahas that I took away from that weekend. And you were a part of one of the first ones that I had. Mm -hmm. And my ah aha, you know, at the start of any sort of program, they're going around the room, everybody's doing their introductions. And um, I remember there were a couple people ahead of me and you had sort of your traditional you know, loss of a parent, loss of a friend, divorce, things like that. And it got to me. And my seven-year-old son died unexpectedly. And as you know, when you bring up child loss, there's sort of this shift in the conversation. Mm -hmm. And so even though we're all kind of talking about loss, it was all of a sudden like, oh my gosh, we're talking about a kid. And I remember telling my story and then it moved on and you were like one or two down and then you told your story. 
and yours, you know, you said you had lost two children. And again, the room just gets even heavier. And after those introductions um, was when I had this like really big aha. So one of the first couple guys comes up to me and he's like, oh my gosh, you know, I was telling my story about losing my father or whatever the case was. And he's like, um, and then you told your story and suddenly my story didn't matter. Like it, it was like mm-hmm. yours was so much harder. Right. And I was like, you know what? I had that feeling when you told your story, because suddenly losing one child wasn't as bad as losing two. And I had this like major aha moment that I'm like, how crazy is it that in these moments, right? We're not supposed to compare losses. And this was the importance of not comparing losses because how easily we all invalidate our own grief or just dismiss our own pain simply because we think, oh, well, somebody else has it worse. And so that was sort of like a really big shift for me to just be like, you have to own your own grief and you have to care about other people's grief and learn from it, but not let it disrupt your own journey, I guess. Uh, really, really important. Like, oh, that's yeah. so important. Such an important key piece. And even in our own life, right? Because yeah. we've had all these different types of losses. So right. we can't just because we've had one loss that that feels more impactful than another doesn't mean that we shouldn't go through the recovery process exactly. of the previous losses. Exactly. So yeah, it was just sort of, that was one of my first. So you were sort of one of my first really big ahas in my own process of healing. Um, And so just my quick introduction then for everybody, since I kind of jumped over that. um, I am a bereaved parent, obviously. I um, am now a grief coach like Julie. Um, My company is After Child Loss. Um, Early in my grief journey, I shared my story openly. Um, I blog at Just Playing House, and that's where I shared, you know, my first few years of grief, just kind of raw and intense. Um, I found a ton of connection out of that. It was very cathartic to sort of share our story. I have always gone from the perspective of full vulnerability. We're going to share the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, because those are the moments that create that connection that we need to kind of build that bridge to heal and to move forward. And so that's sort of how I got into this space. Um, I am very passionate about supporting bereaved parents in finding that path back to life, you know, after you've experienced the loss of a child. Yeah. Share a little bit about what happened with your son. I know seven and I know it was very unexpected and it was, yeah, under really unusual circumstances. It and was a horrible time of year too. Just yes. like, yeah. So um, it was Christmas 2015. Uh, started out as any other Christmas, right? We're going through our traditions. Um, we got to the point where um, sort of that afternoon, the day before he started to have kind of an ear infection, right? And it was one of those things where you're like, here we go, we're gonna have a kid that's sick for the holidays. And so we were rushing to get him into an urgent care. Um, Everything was fine. He came home, seemed to be perfectly fine, went to bed that night. I will always say he went to bed a healthy kid and within 12 hours, um, he was beyond repair. We Um, heard him wake up around 11 o'clock. We had just sort of gotten all of our Christmas stuff together. And so, you know, I hear somebody awake and I'm immediately like, get to them before they get in here and see the tree and all this sort of stuff. And he was sick in the bathroom. And so it started off as sort of stomach bug stuff. Um, 
extreme fatigue. He kind of rapidly lost uh, muscle strength and it just started to get really kind of strange and his fever spiked. We couldn't really keep anything down. And by two in the morning, Christmas day, we were loading him in the car to take him to the ER. Um, Tests sort of turned into mysteries with more questions. They really weren't sure what we were dealing with and we were being transferred to children's hospital. And so in all of this stuff, right, we're, we're thinking we probably have an overnight trip to the hospital, maybe a couple of days in the hospital, right? Our mind never goes to what the end result could be. And we reached a point literally by, I don't know, it was around 7 a.m. Christmas morning. Um, we couldn't wake him. He had kind of slipped into a coma. And we, that was the last that he was actually conscious. Um, we kind of facilitated the move during our move to Children's Hospital um, was sort of a rapid decline. His pupils stopped responding. Um, we reached a point where his brain had swelled so extensively that there was nothing that they could do. Um, and so we went through kind of that next, you know, 10 hours or more knowing that he was alive because he was on life support machines, um, you know, running every test that we can to try to just figure out what is the cause, what's going on. Um, and at the end of the night, you know, we're signing papers to remove him from life support. So it was sort of a life changing 24 hours. Wow. Wow. What's your, what's your son's name, Emily? Cameron. Cameron. Okay. You know, when, when I met you at the grief recovery training that we went to and you told a little, just a brief snippet of your story and I realized it had only been three years. Boy, I just wanted to wrap my arms around you. <laughs> I, I remember you saying that to me that it was like, yeah, it opens wounds, right? When you yeah. meet people. Yeah. It opens those wounds. Yeah. It's just like, I can remember the three-year point and I can remember still being in that place of just like lots of questions, lots of, yep. lots of things to figure out, but you know, I was on my way to healing and I knew that. And so it was just, it was really um, inspiring to me to see you there and talking about it and um, sharing already with an audience I remember you saying that you had actually started your blog before this happened with Cameron and it just like the whole thing shifted yes. to this experience. Tell us a little bit about that shift. What It did. So um, kind of my, my pre-loss life, right? I was climbing the corporate ladder. I was doing all the things you're supposed to do to get ahead in life. And my role was eliminated. It was about... Um, eight months before he died, I was ready to deliver our third baby. And we had a couple months left until she was born. And we were like, you know what, we're going to hit pause on life. And so we did. And it sort of caused me to have this internal midlife crisis of what do I do now? Right. I've got all this time. I'm home with kids. Like this isn't what I'm supposed to do. Um, so I started writing. And it was one of those things where I just sort of started writing and Cameron was always my biggest supporter. He always wanted to be involved. He always wanted to know what was going on. And I sort of felt like it was kind of preparing me to do something else, right? When he died, um, I just felt so pulled to share our story. And literally within, it was like early January. So it was within a week or so of him dying. 
for me, I had to write what was in my head, you know, how in early grief, it plays over and over and over and over in your brain. It's all you see. It's all you think about. It's all you hear about. And so I had to write it. And so I literally wrote it out and I said to my husband, look, I wrote this. What do you think if I hit publish? And he was like, you do what you need to do. Um, And so it was sort of a release for me, I think, um, which just spiraled from there, right? You get people who reach out to you that will express, you know, your story sounds so similar to mine, or, you know, I experienced that same sort of thing. And you've sort of put words to things I haven't been able to put words to. And that just pushed me to sort of keep sharing, right? It was one of those things where if I'm feeling this, somebody else is feeling this or has before. Mm -hmm. And so there's that value in creating that connection. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. What a, what a blessing you were to people and your ability to share early on, to share in those moments, in those moments of just that extreme pain and confusion and all the other emotions that, that come along with it. Tell me a little bit about how your journey has evolved. So I, um, you know, I just sort of started sharing and I kept feeling pulled to create a supportive space for bereaved parents, right? I would look out into the landscape of what existed. And I felt like there was so much in miscarriage and infant loss and people weren't really talking as much, or I didn't feel like I related to a lot of the stuff that was being shared because it wasn't sort of that young child loss. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just felt pulled to like go into that space, share about that space, normalize it, right? Because there's so much about grief that I think we are conditioned to believe. And when we're standing in the middle of it, it is not anything that you would ever expect it to be like. Mm-mm. And so for me, it was like, I I felt language failed me, right? All of these words and these terms that I thought I could apply to a grief experience didn't really measure up. And so I was trying to adjust how I used terms or change how I thought about terms and putting that stuff out there. I'm like, if we can get this kind of stuff out there, maybe it can help other people have these same shifts in their perspective, right? And create that space. I'm consistently surprised. And I'm sure you see it too, by the number of people who have lost a child at any stage that will come and say, it has been years and I've never talked to anybody about it, or, you know, we don't talk about it anymore. And to me, like they're bottling up all this pain and this hurt and they get into an environment where they can share openly with other people that get it. And it just instantly creates this space of healing. And so for me, it was like, we need to do more of this, right? We need to have more of this out in the world. Yeah, for sure. So tell tell us a little bit about the things that helped you along the way, or even the things that looking back, you're like, oh, I wish I'd done that a little differently. Like, what what really helped you in that that healing process? Um, I I always think that there's a few key things that I tell people you have to figure out. Um, one of them is your belief system. I think that a loss can totally shatter everything you ever thought about life, everything you ever believed in. And you sort of have to go down this rabbit hole of where did my child go? What happens after we die? Um, You know, what do I really believe has happened? 
And I spent a lot of time in that space um, just looking for answers, right? What resonated with me, what didn't. Um, I had a lot of, you know, I was doing reading. I was looking for other blogs of people who have gone through similar experiences. I also just, I internalize a lot, right? I bottle it in. And so for me, writing was that way of kind of releasing some of that stuff. So for me, writing was critical in my ability to kind of process things that were happening. Uh, And so I think those were kind of the spaces that I spent the most time in. I also will say a medium reading was a game changer for me. Um, I know people are very hesitant or, you know, people have different varying beliefs on, on what that actually is. But for me, I had things come through that nobody could have ever known. Like they were conversations I had with my son in my head. Um, I never even told my husband. So my husband who's sitting on the couch beside me, she's saying to me, you know, these things and I'm going, yes. And he's going, no. And I'm like, yes, it's like, this is what I've experienced. So for me, some of those things were game changers. I think it was sort of, you know, you have to validate what that belief system is. And then you have to decide how your relationship continues. Because for me, my relationship continues with my son, even though he's not here in the physical world. um, I 100% believe they are still standing here beside us, cheering us on. They are watching everything that's going on. They're hearing, right? When we think and directed at them when we talk to them. Um, they're hearing those things. I get signs. I know it sounds crazy to people that don't get it, but my son sends me 12s. My son sends me hearts. And so I feel like we still have that relationship and I hold on to that for everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. And, and I, I love, you know, there's a couple things that you said in there that I just want to like kind of pull out. And one is that decision process, right? Like we have to decide it's, it's, we can't just keep ruminating in what, uh, in all the questions we get to, we get to answer the questions. Exactly. Go out and and find it. What's that? Go out and find those answers. Yeah. Find those answers. And then just like, hold on to that and, and make that a part of who you are and don't question it. Like trust yourself, trust yourself in your decision-making. Um, you know, the idea of having a relationship with him still of seeing these little moments where you're reminded that he's still there. Like, yeah. I think that's super important. And also this idea of release. Some people are writers, some people aren't, you know, for me, the writing process wasn't really a writing process. I've got more of a writing process now than I ever have before, but we have to have a way of, of release. We've got to have a, a, we've got to have the, be able to pull the plug out and allow some of it to, to move. Got to keep it moving. Exactly. Yeah. Beautiful. I mean, I think what you've shared is just beautiful. It's just, it's great. So tell me a little bit about the pitfalls. Like, where did you find yourself? Like, um, cause I can look back and I can look at my own experience and go, boy, like if I, if I would have known what I know now, I wouldn't have spent so much time like doing this or right. like that. What, what are your thoughts on that? I, I had a lot of key moments. I look back and I have a lot of sort of those ahas that happened along the journey, those perspective shifters. And 
Um, one of the early ones for me was I always say grief has an eye in it. And I like being, meaning like I am the most important person in my own grief journey. And so I would have family members calling me and just expressing their grief. Right. And I felt like I was in a place where I was supposed to make them feel better. Mm. And I'm like, I'm not in a space to make you feel okay about the fact that my son died. Like I need to only be concerned with myself. And it felt very selfish. Um, and it took me a long time to kind of wrap my brain around that being okay. Um, I am such a people pleaser or I used to be a people pleaser. And so it was all about make sure everybody else is okay. Make sure everybody else is happy. And so I've learned a lot through this journey. It's taken me a long time to sort of reach a place where I can say, I have to put myself first. This is how I'm going to do that, right? I had to think about self-care differently. So self-care became like learning how to say no, um, learning how to put up boundaries, learning how to distance things that were toxic or things that added stress to my life, which really was kind of foreign for me. I felt like I was the type that would be like, take it all on, figure it all out. And in those moments, I was like, I'm too depleted. Like I have to just do what I can do and eliminate any other aspect of stress from my life. And so some of those were really hard decisions. Some of those were difficult things that are still ongoing, right? As you're talking about relationships with people or, um, you know, changes in your life. I mean, Lord knows you stand back after your child dies and you are forced to live this life that you would never choose that you don't want at times. And you're like, how am I supposed to, you know, get back in here and say, yeah, let's do this because that's, that's a choice. Like you said, it's sort of making that active choice of life goes on, time continues, things move. You don't have any sort of ability to change that, but you do have an ability to control the quality of what that looks like. And so being able to shift that and really embrace the grief that you're feeling, I've sort of, my mind has gotten to a point where I almost see the grief experience as like one of the most beautiful processes that happens, right? You are so cracked open and raw and the emotion, like you're just so in tune with all of that stuff that I look back on it and I say, wow, like that is powerful. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that in the middle of it, we have a hard time understanding that we really do. If current me went back to, to <laughs> previous me and said, Hey, look, this is going to be one of the best things that happened to right. you. I'd be like, you are a crazy ass, yes. whatever, you know? Yes. You don't want to hear that in early grief, right? Mm -hmm. I remember people saying, oh, you need to talk to this person. And I was like, I don't want to talk to anybody that's been here. Like, I just want to sit in this and feel the pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and it almost sounded like when you were describing that, you know, that time where you had to kind of, you really have to simplify. You really have to, you have to, there's the priority is, is, taking care of yourself. That becomes yes. the priority and it's a season. It's a yes. season. And, and, you know, and I can see it in your own life. Like that was a season of, I've got to bring it all in. I've got to decide what's important to me. I've got to answer these questions. I've got to be here for me. I don't have a lot of extra to give out to yep. anyone else or anybody else's drama or anybody else's things that are happening 
but then I look at like where you are right now, like you're giving and giving and giving. And so what a beautiful thing that like, we can, we can be okay. Like we can give ourselves permission to be where we need to be at any given time. Exactly. And I, I think there is this evolution, right. Where you have to realize that, that early depressive, all consuming grief, um, while grief never really goes away, you're always going to grieve the loss of your child. That early stage should go away and you should be able to reach a point where you can find that happiness and that sadness, right. Can coexist and come together. And you've got, you know, the ability to live and still grieve like those can come together. And I always said before loss, I experienced emotions like one at a time. And after loss, like everything at once. And so that was a process, right, of learning that it's okay when you have this happy moment and you can still see the sadness in it, right, where they should be standing or where they should be. But yet it can still be a happy moment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that does take time, like to make that shift to to change that that perspective. Did you find yourself like having the ahas and the perspective changes, but then like questioning them? Um, I don't know if I so much questioned them. I, I felt like they were just this huge, like, oh my gosh, how did I not see this before? Um, you know, I had one of the, one of my other ahas from that weekend that we spent together was I had somebody ask me about my son. And I started to go through some of the things that I started to tell them. And I was so focused on the end of his life. Mm. And for me, I was like, wait a minute. Like they asked me about my son, not about my son's death. And I, that was like a big moment for me to be like, I'm focusing way too much energy on these final moments, right? They're leaving such an imprint that they are completely erasing everything else. Not that I don't remember those things because I don't think you ever forget them, but you had all of these things that suddenly somebody asks you and you're like, I don't know how to answer that question because I'm so focused on this part of it. So I started to notice those things. And I think that awareness is kind of the first key and retraining your brain to think differently or to be like, whoa, wait a minute, backtrack. This is what I can tell you about my son, or this is how I can answer this question. So I spent a lot of time, like I would have those awarenesses and then I would start practicing. How do I answer a question differently? Or how do I do something differently? And um, so a lot of those aha moments were really big changes for me. Yeah. You know, it's, it's our emotions that create memory. I mean, yes. you know, the, the most impactful, the most emotion filled events are the things that we remember. And right. so it's, you know, what you experienced is so normal and natural because that moment of his sudden illness and his death were so heavy in emotion right? that that becomes, and this is, this is what I, this was what I feel like is so beautiful about healing our grief is that we can start to see the whole picture because that moment doesn't have so much power that Mm -hmm. then we can start to see the full picture. We can, we can remember the happy times and have it be happy to remember that we can, we can experience those moments of feeling them nearby and it it can be impactful because we're not so consumed. 
Exactly. Has that been your experience as well? Yes, 100%. We, I mean, I think that we get so stuck in those final moments, right? They gloss over everything else. And so it is, it's a matter of retraining your brain. It's a matter of retelling your story, like rewriting what you want people to know about it or what you want to remember about it so that you aren't so focused, right? I mean, your energy follows your thoughts. And when you're constantly stuck in the the most down moment of your life, the rest of your life is going to feel that same emotion or that same, you know, um, that power is going to stay there. And so you need to be able to kind of pull yourself out of that and, and, you know, look at the big picture. Mm-hmm, for sure. And this is, you know, as we talk about this, this is not an overnight experience. Oh. It's not like, Oh, you know, I need to like, some somebody might be listening right now and go, Oh yeah, I'm really stuck in those final moments. Don't think that you're just going to make the decision that you're no longer going to be stuck in that final moment and tomorrow is going to be different. It's right. it's a process. It is a process. Yes. But that awareness, right? You've got to have that awareness and you've got to be able to stop yourself and make that choice to say, okay, no, I'm going to do something different. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Love that. What other kind of tidbits or are there any like kind of final, not final, but you know, other things that, that have come to mind that you're like, I need to, I want to share this piece, something that helped you along the way or is helping you right now. I think that the biggest thing is just to know that every moment of grief that you have, like you will grieve the rest of your life in different ways. Every moment that you have is temporary, right? You need to just breathe through it. A lot of times the anticipation of the things that are coming can be far harder than the actual moments that you're going through. Um, I always say to people, I, I've been shocked at milestones, right? Things that you think would be milestones aren't, or you'll hit a day and you'll be like, oh my gosh, today's a milestone. And you never would have expected that to be a milestone. So really it's being able to embrace that, lean into it, um, know that you can do really hard things, right? People are in this and they're like, I don't know how I can survive it. And I say, you are already surviving. Like you are already doing it. And it's just a matter of keep doing it because you are eventually going to look back and you're going to be like, wow, look how far I've come. I really am surviving. I don't think there's like that one moment where you flip a switch and you're like, I'm good. I'm healed today. I'm good. I think healing, like I will always consider myself to be healed and grieving at the exact same time, because I believe healing is an ongoing process, right? You're going to have, you know, you're going to hit a 10 year mark and you're going to be like devastated. And then that will pass and you will kind of keep going. And then in another five years, you might hit another moment and you're just deep in grief. And I think it's just knowing that I can come out of this. I will come out of this. I just need to feel it in the moment because that's what I need and take that next step forward, whatever it is. I love that perspective of not giving those moments of grief so much power that it becomes a, because sometimes we can just like, we can think, oh, well, I'm not, I haven't, I haven't progressed as much as I thought I had, what's wrong. And then we make it heavier than it needs to be instead of just sitting with that moment and realizing it's just a moment. Yeah. Be okay with exactly where you are today. Tomorrow, it might all be different. 
Mm-hmm. Likely it will. <laughs> yes, likely it will. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So tell us, Emily, tell us how we can find you, where people can find you, what, what's the best places for them to, to so look So I, I have, um, as I mentioned, After Child Loss is my coaching business. Um, I do have a lot of great free resources out there for people. Um, so that's afterchildloss.com. You can find my social media there. We've got a YouTube channel, um, some Facebook. I also always will reference my blog where I shared my early grief journey because I think that helps with people who are maybe earlier in their grief process. So just playing house. Um, I do have a Facebook page there as well. So you can find all of that through that page. And people are always welcome to send me an email or reach out um, emily at afterchildloss.com. Perfect. Thanks so much for being here. It's been it's been fun for me to for for us to reconnect. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. This interview has long overdue. I was excited to have a chance to talk to Emily and grateful that she took the time to share her story with us. I can't even imagine losing a child on Christmas Day. I mean, losing a child is just horrific anyway, as we all know. But Christmas Day, oh my goodness. I'm I'm so grateful for her bravery and sharing her story and giving hope to others. I was thinking about my program today. You know, I work with, with clients one-on-one and we go through a process of working with their grief and helping them to understand their grief. And if you've listened to the model of healing, that's the framework that I use as I'm, I'm working with clients. And I was thinking about it today and I was thinking it's more about rebuilding life. Like it's working with our grief and figuring it out so that we can rebuild our life. I mean, that's the important piece, right? Is that we're still here. No matter what's happened to us, we're still here. And to be able to figure out how to pick up the pieces, how to rearrange our life again, so that we can, so we can show up, so we can be there for ourselves, so we can be there for our family and friends who love us, so that we can really just come alive again. I mean, that's what I've, experience myself was just this coming alive again. It's a, it's an exciting prospect, an exciting process to rediscover ourselves, to learn the power of forgiveness, forgiveness of self, forgiveness of others, to learn the power of gratitude, to learn the power of being able to reconcile what's happened in the past, because we can't change it. We can't change what's happened, but we can reconcile it. We can resolve it. We can work towards a place where we can we can feel whole again. See, I believe that we're already whole. We're already whole, even in our in our even in our pain and our distress and our the the depression, anxiety, whatever we're experiencing due to our grief, we're still whole. It's just being able to rediscover that again, to get out from underneath the weight, the weight of grief, get out from underneath the weight of all those heavy emotions. That's what it's really all about. So if you haven't already talked to me, I really highly encourage you to go to the show notes and click on the 
um, I can't even remember what it's called. Schedule a discovery call, I think is what it's called. You'll, you'll be able to figure it out, but click on that and, and just schedule a time. It's that easy. And, and let's just talk. Let's, let's talk about what you are experiencing because that's where the magic is. The magic is in applying these things for you, not just the universal principles and, and ideas, but it's like, how do you apply it? How do you make it work in your life so that you can enjoy a fulfilling life going forward? Regardless of the difficulties that you've experienced in the past, you can reconcile, you can rebuild. I am living proof of that. You know, I read excerpts from my book on the podcast a couple weeks ago about like where I was during that time, where I felt like just such heaviness, such despair and such like guilt and shame. And it was just a horrible place to be. And because I know how horrible it is to be in that place, I just don't want to see anybody else there. And I know it's just like, it's part of the process, but I I want more than anything else to help as many people as possible. Like I have big, big goals as far as helping people to work through their grief so that they can live again, so that they can enjoy life again, so they can feel joy. Cause I feel joy in my life again. I feel purpose. I feel like I'm not weighed down by grief, even though I've gone through some hard, hard things. I mean, just even last night, I was reminded, uh, my niece, she has such a beautiful way with words. I, I'm always so jealous of people that are so eloquent, so able to express themselves. But she she wrote something about, you know, all the difficulty that her family has seen. And, and of course, that has hit me too, because it's my sister, it's her family, it's it's everything that they've been through. And I just started kind of recounting everything that they'd been through the last few years and everything that I'd been through, all the things that my mom had been through. And I just really got completely overwhelmed with the gravity of it all. Um, It just brought so much back of, you know, where, where I was, where I could find myself still today. If I didn't, if I didn't find answers so important to find answers you guys I just you know I love you I believe in you I just want you to know that have a beautiful week bye bye